Hey everyone, before we start today's podcast, I'd like to say a few words about the devastating news about the passing of Kobe Bryant. This is someone that's been part of our lives for so long and I know means a lot to a lot of the people listening to this podcast. We literally saw him grow up before our eyes. This is someone that became a public figure when he was a teenager and was still very young when he passed. He was only 41 years old. One of the things that hits me the most is that shortly after he retired, he said that if basketball was the thing that he was most known for when it was all said and done, that he didn't feel like he accomplished as much as he would have wanted to. And remember, he had won an Oscar a couple years ago. He put a bit more time into his media companies and wanted to build out and use storytelling as a way to tell stories about sports and be able to do that in a powerful way. The fact that he was only he was able to realize part of that dream, but just knowing there was so much more, he also wanted to see his daughters grow up. I feel horrible for his family. It's truly devastating just understanding what I'm sure his wife is going through, what his other children are going through, and any of his closest loved ones. My thoughts go out to them, and my thoughts go out to the other people that were on that helicopter that crashed yesterday. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace, Gigi Bryant. Hello and welcome to the Trapital Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Runcy. Today we have the commissioner of hip-hop himself, Mr. Steve Stout in the building. Steve, welcome to the podcast. What's up, man? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm a fan of what you're doing over here. Your work is fantastic. I love the fact that you tell the true stories. You're like Not just the end product, but like how you get to the end product. And you dissect things and your point of view on it is dope. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. And I think in a lot of ways, too, I realized that there was an opportunity to tell the honest truth from someone that didn't have ties but understood what was going on. So I'm glad that comes through. We had actually met a while back, back when I was a business school student and you had came to speak, I think it was All-Star Weekend 2013, 2014, somewhere around there. And you made the trip up to Michigan right before to come through. Ross School of Business. It is a gentleman by the name of Marcus Collins who worked at the agency Translation for years. Super talented guy. He went to the Royal School of Business and became a teacher. He was always a professor, and he brought me on. And I remember it was NBA All-Star Weekend. I flew up and did that. It was great. The questions was great. And I, and I love the fact that the students had read the book, my book, The Tanning of America, and the questions were informed based off of, you know, the reading. So it was super productive. No, I appreciate that. And I mean, since then, you've been busy as well. United Masters wasn't even a thing then. And that's been great to see, especially this past year. There's been a number of announcements and developments. The reason why I started United Masters was, to me, there was a clear opportunity to help independent artists at scale, really help them beyond just distributing the music But how could they get services that were what record companies were saying they were doing in 360 deals, but were actually didn't have the expertise to do? I wanted to bring some of those services to bear. So that was the idea to give a voice to the voiceless, to create an application that was easy 
and seamless for the artists to get their music out in the world and then create an audience. And I think so far we've done a pretty good job of setting the foundation of what the vision of the company is and having successful artists come through our platform in 2019. The Apple NBA deal is an extension of that. Apple wants to create with us a playlist that's dominant for independent artists, a place where independent artists know that when their music made that list, that list is sort of one step closer to the end game of being able to have mass success. And having Apple as a marketing partner and having the NBA as a marketing partner on a global basis to help make those artists' songs reach as many people as possible, it's just one of the pillars of of opportunity that I felt was in the marketplace to allow these independent artists a platform in which they can actually get their music not only just distributed but marketed with some brand power behind it. When I think about this deal, I think about the deal you did with NBA 2K. I think about the initial deal with NBA. What I like and what sticks out to me is that it's realizing that there is value and interest beyond someone that is, yes, I want to hear independent hip hop. This is where I go. You're thinking beyond that and it's saying, okay, who is this type of consumer? What is their profile? What are they interested in? They're probably on Apple Music or service like that. They're probably following the league and they're probably playing these games. And it understands the value of these partnerships and what it can do for an artist when you understand who the consumer is. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is specifically in hip hop music, dance music. The fan base is not saying, oh, because they're on this record company, they're on Def Jam Records. I automatically like them. The fans are saying, I don't care if you're super established or if you're brand new, I'm going to like the song if I really like the song. I'm not going to be partial to the song because it's an artist that I'm familiar with. That aspect of the business has shifted a lot. So you're going to see artists like Lil Nas X just come up right before your face or Roddy Rich's break. Like these things are going to happen. And if Roddy Rich wasn't on Atlantic and he was on United Masters. It's not like that's going to change how the fans perceive Roddy Rich. If they like the song Box, they like the song. That brand behind it mattered a lot more 10, 15 years ago than it does today. The sub-labels still matter. So quality control matters. I mean, they actually bring something to the table or TDE. But like outside of that, what you have is distributors. Either you're distributed through Republic, Universal, Sony, Columbia, United Masters, Empire, TuneCore. They are all just distributors. Some would like to say that they do more than just distribute, and some of them do. But it's expensive. It is expensive. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because... I've often talked as well about the labels that have made a name for themselves, a brand, right? We talked about QC. You talked about TDE. I throw Dreamville in there, even 300 to some extent. I would imagine that the labels that aren't your QCs or your Dreamvilles, they would want to be able to have those types of brands, right? Because that's ultimately what it is. Well, they do have those types of brands through ventures. So Capital has to deal with QC and Interscope has to deal with TDE. Like, that's the way they have those kind of relationships and those brands. They themselves would like to be those brands. 
you know, as much as it hurts to say Def Jam isn't Def Jam anymore, you know, and that's no disrespect to anything. It's just times change. And QC could be the next label that matters where people automatically feel like if you got signed to that thing, then you already are on first base. But like outside of those very few labels, you could be signed to anywhere. And the truth of the matter is that as an artist, you are an entrepreneur and you are responsible for your own brand. It's your responsibility. Signing to a record company is not going to give you any more brand recognition. That's something that you have to stay in control of and, and author because their co-sign doesn't do much. Do you feel then that a lot of these artists that are trying to seek out management deals with a rock nation or someone that has a strong connections there, would you say that's the best route for them? Or do you feel that there is still the distribution opportunity the way that there's United Masters or there's a STEM if you want to distribute your music, but if you still want to get the management and the strength doing that on your own versus going with a rock nation or going with... I, I, I don't think there's a cookie-cutter answer, Dan. If you have people around you that are capable, you know, we worked with an artist and helped launch his career, Little Tecca. And Little Tecca, you know, kid from Queens, made great music, is a great songwriter, a hell of a songwriter. His manager is a fantastic entrepreneur named Giuseppe who had nothing to do with, you know, Rock Nation or... TDE or some, right? They were just a team. So that worked really well for them. If you don't have great people around you that understand or are willing to fight the real fight, that's one thing. You have to find that person. But whether they're Rock Nation or name all of the management companies that exist, I think you need that because you need to have good people around you, not because you need them. Not if you're talented. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But if you don't have a manager, then I'm sure you want to get with the best management groups that currently exist. But I don't think that that's something you automatically have to do to get on. Right. I would agree with that. The last time that I could think of that someone being signed to a label or someone being signed to a management deal, the last time that people try to make it seem like, oh, this person was put on, I'm going back to the mid 2000s felt like the last time that that was strong. Like when Def Jam had Tierra Marie and when Def Jam had Rihanna, it felt like, okay, you know, the new princess of the rock, that's what they kept on saying. But that felt like the last time. And I felt like since then, that's when things started to shift where to your point, it really doesn't matter. No, I think it took place after that. Like we can have a difference of opinion on when it was because there's things that took place after that. I think, Maybach music did a lot to break the careers of French Montana. That's true. And Meek Mill. And, you know, saying that you were Maybach music mattered. You know, Young Money mattered. So, you know. No, that's true. So going back to United Masters, I'd love to hear a little bit more specifically about the thought of partnering with Apple. They are one of the strongest streaming services, but did Spotify or Tidal, did any of the other DSPs come up as an option to do a deal with them? No, I think, well, I know there was a natural relationship that already existed or that should exist between Apple and the NBA. A lot of synergy there outside of just music and a relationship that has been pretty established. So it wasn't like something that was up for bid. There was no, let's 
try Amazon versus Tidal versus Spotify and see who wants it more. So say more about that natural relationship with Apple in the NBA. Well, just executives in the company are friendly. They have a existing relationship. So it was easier to get a deal done because people do business with who they want to do business with. And there was already a comfortability there that made sense. So it required to map out how everybody could contribute to this mission. But it wasn't like, oh, well, maybe somebody else on the DSP side could contribute more. It was already a desire and a passion that existed between both of those organizations with independent music. No, that makes sense. And when you look at that deal, when you look at the NBA 2K deal, and then even the initial NBA deal, I'm curious. I think a lot of people are curious, what's next? Like, where does this continue to go? What we're saying to independent artists around... I mean, managers, small independent labels, come distribute to us. Because if all things are equal on the distribution side, if you feel like you can get distribution from multiple services that exist, we're the only service that have true brand relationships. And this is just the beginning. Having Apple and Baseline and NBA 2K and and others, brands like Bose, brands like American Eagle, AT&T, We've done work with all these companies as it relates to music in the past within this year. So it's not like we're stopping any time soon. This is a big part of our model. Look, what I found out is it's very expensive for an artist to be signed to a label. They give up their rights to their masters. They get a percentage of their work. It's a very expensive loan, <laughs> essentially, to get a record deal. It's just what it is. On the other side, brands feel the same way. You know, you want to use a song, they tell you one price, the price changes, it takes months to get done. And what everybody's realizing is if you can put the artists and the brands together in a way in which it's mutually beneficial, you can get a lot accomplished and just leave it at that. So there are a lot more artists and a lot more brands that want to work together. And we are going to be the ecosystem to bring that together. And it's easy to see how translation fits into that naturally, just given that agency experience, your agency experience, and just understanding how all that stuff works before translation, because that's how artists are able to partner and get both their name and their product out there. Yeah, well, when you have a history of doing great work with brands, when you have consistently moved culture forward for corporations, you've translated culture for these organizations, you develop a respect, a reputation, I hope a good reputation. I've used my 15 years of experience in working with some of the greatest companies in the world to have that privilege and now have artists participating and having an opportunity to to get their music promoted by these companies. For me, it's so gratifying. I always felt like when I was building United Masters that it's a commercial opportunity for sure. But it also has a sense and feeling about it that feels philanthropic. The other thing a lot of people don't know, my brother Pharrell actually came up with the name United Masses. Oh, really? Yeah. He came up with the name, and he understood this idea as early as I did. He's a special individual. A lot of what was around getting this company to first base, he was a advisor 
to me and somebody who's contributed a lot to the framework of how I was going to approach this problem. You mentioned the commercial aspect of it. And of course, United Masters has gotten a good amount of funding from Google Ventures and other organizations. It's around 70 million or so. Well, they invested in an entire company that already existed. So Translation and United Masters is one company, Translation Enterprises, and they invested in that entity. Right. So in this existing company plus a new co, and yeah, $70 million. So thinking about investors investing that much, at some point they might want an exit, whether that's an acquisition or public. Is that something that's on the radar? Do you have a preference either way? Or is that no, something I'm you're... not even, we're in the middle of building a company. Thinking about partners to help us scale the company is important. This is now happening. The idea is now coming to manifestation. Like it took two years just for the marketplace to even get to a place where this could even be a possibility. Independent artists and digital distribution came early, but brands realizing that independent music is the next popular music and it's not tethered to major labels. Major labels don't equal the best music in the world anymore, right? Like that's a huge barrier because that idea was cemented in the minds of people for decades. And now to get brands, DSPs saying, wait a minute, just because you don't come through a rep at one of these five, four, three major labels doesn't mean that your music isn't great. That's a huge shift. It was a huge shift for people to go, wait a minute, this person's on YouTube, but yet they're still a star. Or this person plays esports, yet they're an athlete. It takes years. <laughs> you got to think about when things are emerging, man, like how hard it is to get the respect to be considered a sport, whether it was hip hop being considered a music that was viable. That took years. Wrestling, years. Video games, years. Fast forward, independent artists. They're associated with sitting in the back of a bus or a van with a bunch of people just going into small venues, scratching their ass, trying to make some money with like lower quality music and like lower quality talent. That's not even close anymore. That shouldn't be the perception at all. Everybody that you're listening to right now in rap music that's doing it you know, those guys were coming through SoundCloud. Those guys were coming through independent music. Those guys were coming through YouTube. They're not coming through TikTok. So the huge dynamic shift was artists used to have to find a label, then get an audience. Artists are now finding their audience and then finding a label. Right. And I guess you're seeing that to some extent now with NLE starting United Masters, well, first turning down the labels that came to try to sign them. He builds up his cloud of United Masters, and then he goes and does the JV with Warner. Or to some extent, I guess a little Tekka would fall in this regard too, right? Builds up on SoundCloud and then goes over to Republic. Then he goes to United Masters, SoundCloud, United Masters, then Republic. We're the launching pad, man. If you can stay and continue to own your rights and make 90% of the money, or you can go and sign with a major label. If a major label or anybody's going to pay someone money that's going to change their life up front and they feel like that's the best decision for them to sign their rights away or 
what have you, because of that, then that's fine. I'm not going to begrudge anybody for that. If you want to stay and be independent, you know, we have artists on our platform and artists I'm proud of. He's not as mainstream successful as the artists we just mentioned, but he's a superstar. Toby Nagawi is a superstar. And Toby has put out a song every week for the last two years, two and a half years. And on tour, getting brand deals, just did a deal with Ralph Lauren. Like this guy, he's the lead artist in 2K20, did the theme song. He's making money, owns his music, beautiful family, on the road. It's about building. And he's built a great catalog. You'll watch and see. You're going to look up three years from now, and you're going to see independent music dominate the charts. Just dominate. Because the barriers are coming down fast. And whether it's hip-hop, dance, R&B, it doesn't make a difference. Country, rock, it's going to come through independent. There's more supply and demand than the major labels can handle. It's interesting because... I want to get your take on this because I'm sure you heard this before. There's many people that have said, oh, well, you know, Steve Stout rose up through the ranks as a record label executive, and that's how he got to be where he is, right? But then over time, he is now pushing the independent route with United Masters. And I think to most people, they could understand the transition from one to the other. But what's your response to the people that say that? Because when I've heard that, it's often in this way, like, oh, how can the person that did this before now try to go this so other route? I don't even know. Oh, you haven't heard anyone say that? Nobody would say anything like that to me because it doesn't make any sense. You're saying, why would you learn over time that something that you did before should have been modified, should have been changed? Or is it wisdom and maturity that provides you a different point of view. Like, I don't even understand. Should I be walking around with a bunch of gold chains on? I don't think so. Okay. No, yeah, I don't so think so. Those types of questions to me in anybody's, any field, when they're all driven, like you've actually figured out because of access to information, different ways to do things, alternative routes. All of a sudden you don't eat meat. I don't know. You seen a documentary on meat and you said, I don't want to eat that shit no more. Right? So what am I supposed to do? Walk up, oh, you're eating Beyond Burger? Yo, what's (laughs) up with that? You was just eating the fucking steak last month. Like, to me, if you want to start talking like that, you're going to find an audience with me as a friend or anything, because that's just, it's not necessarily the kind of conversation I love to have people around me engage in. So to answer the question that you said, anybody who thinks that I, as I've developed into a businessman, have realized things that I had done before, things that I were party to, gave me information and education on how to do it better, how to build it on my own, how to do something smarter. Drake's not going to sign to three different artists anymore. Yeah, he's not going to sign to Young Money and Young Money to Cash Money. He's he's not doing that anymore, but he did it before. Why? Because he knows better. So... Anybody who says anything about, like, why would you get stuck in the past doing the same things in the past, you got to know your business model has to move with the times. And hopefully your ideas grow with the times. 
it's almost like, let's say I was someone that was building a startup in the 90s and I needed to get all of the money myself to go pay for server space and all this stuff. And then boom, in the mid 2000s, this AWS thing comes about. And now you're acting as if I'm not supposed to use that now that I am building a startup. I think that anyone that understands and has been in industry for long enough needs to see where the tide is shifting. And I think in a lot of ways, this wouldn't have even been possible 20 years ago or even 30 years ago back in the 90s. So, you know, look, people were selling music out the trunk of their car. That's true. Okay. Screw. So they were going to screw right here in the Bay Area, E-40, Too Short, Jay-Z, Master P, yep. two live crew. I mean, so that's happened. All that stuff took place. The phone is now the new trunk of your car. You can move digital streams from your phone. And the margin that you were making when you were selling from your trunk was the best, but you couldn't get scale. I mean, it's the trunk of your car, so you have to physically take it. Right. Now you could actually sell it from the trunk of your car at scale. And we're your partner in that. The United Masters, I looked at it, and I wanted to build what would essentially be a record company in your pocket. The Steve Jobs line. Yeah. Well, he actually had a thousand songs in your pocket. Right. With that first yeah, iPod. With the first iPod. And we are definitely following that path mm. by building a music company in your pocket. Are we going to see you up there on stage for the Black Turtleneck doing the United Masters 2020 wear, drop? I, nah, I won't wear Black Turtleneck, but hopefully... There'll be product news and releases and new partnerships that warrant that kind of attention. Right now, we're in the bottom of the second inning. We're just grinding it out, really figuring out where the business is going, watching it grow fast, watching it grow really fast. The rise of independent music is phenomenal. It's growing faster than anything else in the space of streams. And that then associates itself with creating the next generation of stars creating the next generation of independent guys who can create wealth for themselves and their families and being a conduit to such. So the art being distributed, the opportunity to earn and own and go from employee to owner and having brands who their endorsement means a lot, especially the artists on the rise, to say that those associations authenticate that you can and are open for business which sort of accelerates that side of being able to attract the higher margin opportunities. From an authenticity perspective, do any of the brand attempts that you see in the marketplace right now make you cringe to some extent? Because I look this past summer with Hot Girl Summer, that is a trend line. And all these brands from Maybelline to everyone else is trying to co-op that and use it. And when people realize that it's trying to be a bit like that, it's going to bother people, especially if it's not really done in a way that shows that you understand the culture beyond just trying to hop on something that you saw on Instagram or you heard somebody saying on Twitter. What are your thoughts on that? I wrote a book on that. The Tanning of America talked about this. We predicted this. We knew that there was going to come a point in time where urban culture was going to be pop culture. And those transitions are going to be honest and real in some areas, or they're going to be forced and faked in others because that's just the way things are. People take shortcuts. People borrow and rent ideas that they're not fully aware of. So when Maybelline takes Hot Girl Summer 
and uses it in a tone that has nothing to do with the hot girls moniker. It's just them using a hashtag and a phrase to borrow and rent credibility. It's going to blow up in everybody's face. It's unfortunate that hip hop culture has been utilized in ways that are inauthentic. But at the same time, you got to be proud that people actually want to use it in this way because it's the dominant cultural force in the world. And when you're the dominant cultural force in the world, you're going to have people who embrace you because of the truth. And you're going to have people mostly who embrace you because you're just dominant. I think that comes with the territory in a lot of ways. If the culture is going to be this prevalent, then yeah, it's going to continue to rise. I know that we got to get out of here soon, but before we let you go, do you have any words that you'd like to let the Trapital audience know about or anything that you'd like to plug yourself to make sure that they you know, know about? I think that, like how I started, man, I think what you're doing at Trapital is a great job. You are covering the business of hip hop in a way that's credible. You're not making things up and up just to hurry up and finish the story and get it out. You're doing the work. And I think a lot of what has gone to make this culture matter so much is the fact that the guys who started it, the pioneers of such, they did the work. You know, I can only promise that United Masters, that's the school I come from. I'm going to do the work. We're building something great. I want any independent artist or manager or anyone in the business to check us out and really pay attention to why you're making the deal that you're making and what's driving you. Is it short-term satisfaction or is there the long-term belief that ownership is critical? And as long as you make that your decision with both eyes wide open and we can become an option that you go, you know what? Let me put that off for now. Let me try this. As long as we're an option that I think that I've made the debt that I want to make in the music industry. That's a good note to end on. Well, thank you. Steve Stout. It's right, great man, to have thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. If you enjoyed this podcast, I have two favors to ask. One, please tell at least one friend about this podcast. Word of mouth is still the best way to grow. So spread the word. That helps Trapple to grow and that helps this podcast grow. And second, please go to Apple Podcast, go to iTunes, and leave a review for this podcast. Leave a rating as well. Anyone that leaves a rating or review this week, if you send me the screenshot on Twitter or on Instagram, I will repost that screenshot. That will help it reach more people and people can see that and that can encourage more people to do so. So let's leverage the power of the people that enjoy this content and help spread the word out there. And as I always say, please go to the Trapital.co website and you can get more great content. Make sure you sign up for the email list. You can either go to trapital.co and join the email list there. You'll get the Trapital insights in your inbox or you can text Trapital at 345-345. It's easy as that. Thanks again. See you next week.